Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Monday, November 4th. I'm Eli Chen, in for Wayne Pratt. Ahead on the podcast, hog farmers in the U.S. have watched with growing dread as a deadly disease infects its way across Asia. Emergency managers are testing plans to protect pigs in the U.S. if the virus arrives here. We've learned a lot from what they've done in those other countries. Um, but when what we've learned is they haven't been able to stop it. So we need to really be prepared. Stay tuned for Harvest Public Media's report on how the pork industry and government agencies are preparing for a possible outbreak of African swine fever. First, the news. A local legal advocacy group says the recent court ruling punishing the St. Louis County Police Department for discriminating against a gay officer is just the latest example of police misconduct in the region. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports on how Arch State Defenders hopes to change policing in the area. Blake Strode is the executive director of Arch City Defenders. He says the $20 million verdict awarded to Sergeant Keith Wildhaber got so much attention because of its size. But he says the culture that led to Wildhaber's lawsuit is also reflected in racist and homophobic social media posts by St. Louis area officers and in the number of officers who have recently been indicted. My focus when it comes to police has been not on, you know, policy reforms within the department, although those can be helpful. It's been about structurally, how can we actually divest from policing and invest instead in other community-based supports? Arch City has lawsuits pending against several local police departments. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio. You can hear Arch City's full episode of Politically Speaking on our website, stlpublicradio.org. Rural electrical co-ops in Missouri are at risk of losing their tax-exempt status because of a change in federal tax law. Co-ops are limited to only 15 percent of their revenue coming from outside their coverage area. The 2017 change to the tax law includes federal grants like disaster aid to be counted in that percentage. Caleb Jones is the CEO of Missouri Electric Cooperatives. He says any federal grant designed to help rural areas could cripple co-ops. Any money that comes in to Missouri to a local co-op to help expand rural broadband uh, also could potentially cause them to lose their tax-exempt status. Jones says the Missouri congressional delegation supports the change, but there is no concrete proposal in Washington to change the tax code. Missouri has one of the highest rates of uninsured children in the country, and the number is growing, according to a new report. Sebastian Martinez-Valdivia reports. The Georgetown University report says an estimated 83,000 children were uninsured in 2018, 21,000 more than in 2016. The rate of uninsured children has increased nationally, but with 5.7 percent of Missouri children uninsured, the state is above the national average. Georgetown professor Joan Alker was the lead author on the report and says Missouri is part of a group of states that have seen the biggest increases in uninsured children. States that have not expanded Medicaid to parents and other adults under the ACA saw an increase in their rate of uninsured kids that was three times as large as states that have. The report says it's unusual for the number of uninsured children to increase during economic growth. I'm Sebastián Martínez Valdivia. Federal data shows hundreds of thousands of service members live with a traumatic brain injury caused by their combat experience in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yet there are still many challenges when it comes to diagnosing and treating TBI. 
Jenny Huddinkut is a veteran and visiting research specialist at the University of Illinois' Chess Veterans Center. Huddinkut says more people survive incidents like roadside bombs thanks to advances in both medicine and technology, but they suffer serious brain injuries. Things like up-armored vehicles, so you know, hitting a bomb like this, but the vehicle is still technically being intact, so people inside of the vehicle surviving but still having the blast effect. Honeycutt says she hopes more awareness about the issue can lead to research on better treatments and more support for both veterans and the people who care for them. African swine fever has been infecting its way through the pig herds of Asia. The disease, which took officials in China by surprise, could kill up to a quarter of the world's pig population. Harvest Public Media's Amy Mayer reports that while the disease isn't here, the U.S. pork industry is preparing for a possible crisis. African swine fever infected China in August 2018, and since then it's devastated the world's largest pig herd. And that's got pork producers here worried. So in September, 14 U.S. states and the federal government held a four-day simulation exercise to test their preparedness. You're in charge. What do you want? You ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. On day two of the simulation, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Neg took a break from the role-playing at the State Emergency Operations Center near Des Moines to talk to reporters about how it was going. He said the simulation poked some holes in the plans, which is exactly the point. And he said, as the nation's number one pork-producing state, Iowa has a critical role. If we're a leader in production, we ought to be a leader in how we respond. The exercise tested how states would get the first samples to the U.S. Department of Agriculture lab on the East Coast and how to stop trucks moving pigs, feed, and manure. Amanda Lutjens joined the exercise from Christensen Farms, where she's the animal welfare auditor. The network of hog farms includes sites in Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois, and Iowa. We are spending a lot of time and energy working um, on these plans that all of us hope we never have to use. She says they keep track of every person, pig, and truck that comes and goes from each of the 400 Christensen-affiliated farms. But there's no way to know whether the preparations they're making will ultimately prove useful if the virus gets here. We also understand this is a new and evolving beast, so um, it's going to be changing. To be clear, African swine fever is nowhere in the Western Hemisphere. But it could arrive on any plane from an infected country. It won't come across our land borders unless it first gets into a different country. That's Iowa State University veterinary medicine professor Jim Roth. The major concern is um, people and products from positive countries, and there are more and more positive countries all the time. Roth participated in the simulation from USDA's incident headquarters in Maryland. He says Asia has provided a sobering reality check. From China, the virus has spread to North Korea, Vietnam, Laos, Myanmar, and the Philippines. We've learned a lot from what they've done in those other countries. Um, but when, what we've learned is they haven't been able to stop it. So we need to really be prepared. And even while the U.S. was running its hypotheticals in September, the disease spread to South Korea, a country considered almost as prepared as the United States. This newscast says that the disease has been confirmed and explains it's nearly 100% lethal to pigs and has prompted government officials to launch efforts to contain it. Two weeks after the simulation and the South Korean announcement, I caught up with Ross and his colleague, veterinary pathologist Kyun Jin Yoon. They pieced together what happened in South Korea and what it implies for the readiness of the United States. 
Farmers expect to see sick pigs at times. South Korean producers were coached to monitor for specific symptoms. Yoon says those didn't always show up. Immediately, people recognize that the clinical signs that the textbook describes is not always there. So now, and for U.S. producers, Roth says don't wait for additional signs if a pig has a fever or stops eating. The message is call a veterinarian right away. But Roth and Yoon agree that should the United States become positive for African swine fever, pork dumplings and bacon could become scarce worldwide. The world is going to have to reckon with a shortage of pork and how... How do we do that? On the other hand, planners recognize that consumers here might lose interest in pork if there's a deadly pig disease. That would cause the opposite problem, a glut of cheap ham and sausage in the U.S. Precautions remain strong. Some swine shows and events have been modified or canceled. Oklahoma recently became the 23rd state to ban feeding cooked food waste to pigs. And the USDA has brigades of beagles sniffing for contraband salami at airports. Amy Mayer, Harvest Public Media. The executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio is Sheila Newman. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Eli Chen, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.